If you want to know how to create like the grades, let's break it down. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with your customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's kind of like trying to remember the name of the guy that you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Was it Don? Was it John or Sean? Who knows, right? It's like that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution prior, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that helps handle frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps your reps anticipate customers' needs. And a full 360 view of every customer so you can go to market and your go-to-market team can have a pulse on the accounts before you try to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale, support, drive retention, and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service, happier customers at every single stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more with your customers today. How is it even possible to build a tailwind on the wings of a great disruption? Now, I know that word disruption gets thrown around a lot. I know it feels like every other day you go to a conference, you listen to a podcast, and you hear someone say, disruption. I hear you. But Adobe, Adobe, the tool that we've all love and sometimes eh, maybe even hate, has truly disrupted and changed the way the business is done. You see, whether we think of a PDF or we think of Photoshop, we think of the word Photoshop as a, sometimes even a verb. This is the story of Adobe, a software company that navigated a lot of shifts in the creative industry, but still maintain a loyal core audience. You see, the success of the story behind Adobe is, in my opinion, mind-blowing. It's one of the most underrated stories of software history. It's one of those stories that a lot of people overlook. It's one of those stories, it's one of those industry giants, if you will, that a lot of people have slept on time and time again. We oftentimes get all excited talking about the newest and latest startup, the new company that is leveraging AI to change the world. But I think it's time to give some brands their flowers. Adobe being one of them. Adobe being the brand that has been breaking their revenue records every single year since 2015. You see, in 2019 alone, Adobe closed the year with a revenue of $11.1 billion. And to give you a bit of perspective on how remarkable that is, Adobe was generating around $4 million just four years prior to that. They went from $4 million to $11 billion. As of today, the market cap, depending on whether or not there's a crisis or not, is anywhere from 400 to $500 billion. Their website, their website alone generates enough traffic, as much traffic as you would have to spend $39 million of Google ads to capture that much traffic. They have millions of followers on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. They have followers all over the internet. This is Adobe. They are a giant. The real question is, what allowed them to have this second wind, this exponential growth? What changes did they make to drive 
such a massive ding in the universe? How did Adobe go from hovering around the 4 million annual revenue mark to consistently breaking their revenue records every single year since 2015? And how did they, as an organization, an organization that empowers, in many ways, creators and creatives to do the things that they do, to create the things that they envision, how did Adobe create something great? If you want to know how to create like the greats, let's break it down. It was the year 1982, and Adobe started with a focus on the creation of a multimedia and creativity software products. Now, I don't know about you, but in 1982, I was not existent. <laughs> but the founders had an idea, a common goal. A goal to make publishing and printing software accessible to businesses and professionals. Their first product was the printing language, PostScript, released back in 1983. And it was their way of experimenting with desktop printing software. And within a year of PostScript's release, the product brought in about 83K for Adobe. Now, in 1983, $83,000 is a lot of money. It's a good start. You see, it was clear even back then that they were on to something. They were on to something great. They had already created something great. But there was a big lesson that came with it. You see, this lesson would ultimately determine their next process, their next process, their next product, their next, their next big move, so to speak. After the release of PostScript, Adobe realized that there were bigger, more important markets that existed especially for the professional desktop application, something that would allow users to manipulate things visually rather than with code. So their next product followed this realization. Adobe started to create products that made it easy to edit images right on a computer screen, make it as easy as writing on paper. They started to appeal to a broad base of design-minded users with different applications, some of which are still used today. Tools like Illustrator and Photoshop being some of their most popular and highly sought after tools of all time. I can remember being a young kid, early days of high school, trying to learn how to do Illustrator, how to use Photoshop. And at the time, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't have a lot of money in my pocket. So, like many, I had to go and find a pirated version of Photoshop. Back in the day of Kazaa, back in the day of Napster, it wasn't too hard to find. But Adobe's success goes beyond those days of an actual downloadable asset something that you have to download to upload to your computer and use. You see, Adobe's early success wasn't just in owning the applications for designs. This company was smart for how they were able to set the standard for how people would use design and digital technology going forward. Now, with this in the back of your mind, I want to share with you four key pillars. Four key pillars that allowed Adobe to be successful. And that is the remarkable transition, an amazing pivot, so to speak. Their focus on community, user-generated content, and top-notch SEO. Let me say this one more time. I really want these pillars to sink in for you. 
the most remarkable business pivot, arguably, in all time, community branding, user-generated content, and top-notch SEO. These are the pillars. These are the pillars that Adobe has built their business on. It is these pillars in which Adobe has been able to create something great. And in this episode, we're going to be diving into opportunities, all four of these pillars, the transition, the community focus, the user-generated content, and their top-notch SEO strategy. This is Create Like the Greats, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, and I am super excited to share with you the pillars that Adobe has built their business on. Pillar one, the remarkable business pivot. You see, as Adobe grew and more products were released, they started to face challenges. But their challenges were more related to the nature of the market changing all around them. You see, I talked about this briefly earlier, how we used to have to download all of our solutions directly onto our computers, maybe buy a handful of different CDs and install them through that. The software industry, back when they were growing, was changing. You see, instead of selling software through licenses and CDs, many companies were starting to offer software over the cloud. You see, in order for Adobe to even survive, they needed to recognize and embrace this new model, this new approach, this this idea that people wanted to access things through the cloud. Adobe had to switch their model. They had to switch their business. Adobe would have to switch to the subscription model. This is what was, in my opinion, one of the best pivots that Adobe ever executed. The transition from going from a licensed software company, a software company where you could buy the product, you could download the product, you could purchase the product, and then you used a license key to get access to it on your computer. And don't lose that key now. It's very important that you maintain it to a cloud-based company. Prior to this transition, Adobe's products came in a box. It was a nice box, but it was also very pricely. Like you could get Photoshop for $699, a license for it. Now, selling software licenses up front was less reliable as CD-ROMs became antiquated in the eyes of the software industry and in many ways in the eyes of the consumer. While on the other hand, subscription revenue was way more predictable. You could tell exactly how much monthly recurring revenue you would have. There was a little bit of financial security in this approach. So building for the cloud, building an entire suite of products that they eventually would call the creative suite for the cloud was a big deal. And Adobe didn't hesitate to jump on it. Anyone who has pivoted a business before will tell you that it's not easy. It's not a simple task. It's not something that you can just like snap your fingers and boom, you've got a new business model. It doesn't happen that quickly. Well, sure, it might happen faster if you're a one-person shop, a two-person shop, or even a three-person shop. But the bigger you get, the more complex it is to shift. I can remember listening to a presentation. I'm not sure exactly who gave it. And they gave this great analogy. They gave the analogy that as you get bigger, as you get bigger as an organization, as a company, as you continue to create things, and your team gets larger, your organization gets larger, your empire gets larger, you become more and more like a cruise ship. And for a cruise ship to do a 360 turn in the water, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of horsepower. It takes a lot of energy. 
It takes a complete stop at one point to be able to do it and ensure that the entire boat doesn't flip over. However, if you're small and you have a motorboat, that you can do that thing in a second. Turning around in 360 is easier when you're small, but for Adobe, they were huge. They were already a successful company, but they did it. Adobe did it. They carved out a permanent place in the industry by transitioning from a costly one-time purchase with their products to a monthly subscription price. How did they do it? How did they pull it off? Well, first they stopped offering support for those licensed products. Even though they had 13 million customers who had purchased that box software in the past, they cut support entirely. Now, I'm not going to tell you that people were happy with this situation. People lost their minds. The amount of negative backlash from the communities inside of the forums, on the threads, on the networks, oh, it was significant. But Adobe knew that this was the future for their business. Then they shifted their entire business perspective to cater to a new line of thinking, a new wave of thinking, a line of thinking that was around the digital workplace. Finally, they broadened their target market beyond creatives. They had to sell beyond just the people who were a professional designer, beyond the just perfect designer who strives for design excellence. They needed to release products that could be used in multiple industries outside of just graphic design. This pivot allowed them to thrive, where they created the Creative Cloud, a solution that had a wide range of different products, a wide range of different types of creators that they could support. And they continued to deliver and develop more products, more solutions, ranging from audio software to video software and so much more. This was the beginning of a new age for Adobe. I just want to mention that Adobe recorded 4 million new users in the two years of this transition. 4 million new users. The revenue dropped from 2011 through 2014 as the upfront earnings from Box Software ended, but eventually the recurring revenue model caught up. It began to yield profits. Profits above and beyond all expectations. You see, by 2024, it's expected that the Creative Cloud is going to have over 20 million subscribers. This should tell us something. This should tell us that the expectation around Adobe and the work that they've done is going to pay off. And I believe that their constant commitment to change, their constant commitment to investing in these types of solutions and moving down this path should be a lesson for all of us. We as creators, as entrepreneurs, as marketers, as business owners, we oftentimes romanticize the past. We romanticize the things that we did in the past to get where we are today. And while today may be considered the, the dreams and the imagine, only our imaginations could, could picture us getting to this point in our career and our life, sometimes you have to think about where you want to go next. You have to think about what the future holds for you, your business, your industry, your own goals and your own ambitions. And sometimes it requires significant changes. Changes that in the short term might feel uncomfortable. Changes that in the short term might feel like they're a little bit irrational. 
even. To many, removing the idea of selling boxes of software was an irrational decision. It was a poor decision. It was a decision that didn't consider the implications of everybody else. But it was a decision that Adobe made, and it was a decision that they held their hat onto, and it was a decision that ultimately gave them the ability to create a multi-billion dollar company. A company with a market cap of hundreds of billions of dollars because their team knew that they had to make a choice. They had to make a choice to hold on, like some companies do, to the way things were, or to embrace the future, embrace what's to come. So as you think about your own plans, your own goals and ambitions for the years to come, I encourage you to ask about whether or not this is going to have a positive impact in the long term. It might have a short-term downside, but long-term, could this be something that could fundamentally change your life, your trajectory, your career? And don't just think in a 12-month window. Think five, 10 years out from now. Sure, none of us can predict what's going to be the world and what the world's going to look like in 10 years from now, but we can get some sense of whether or not the things that are happening around us today are trends or if the things that are happening around us are realities. When you do this, this will give you a deeper insight into whether you're onto something great or heading down a dead end. Now, bear in mind, Adobe's success isn't exclusively tied to this transition. It's not exclusively entirely tied to just this. This is just one pillar of their entire approach. But something else that Adobe has done well in addition to launching a handful of different solutions and software that help them kind of own the creative suite, so to speak. They've also made some pretty brilliant acquisitions. Acquisitions that when you look at it, might originally feel confusing. But the closer you look, they're actually quite brilliant. One of those being the acquisition of a community called Behance. And what this meant, in my mind, in my eyes, as I look at Adobe, is their commitment to the creative community. They've acquired companies like Macromedia, Workfront, and so much more. But this Behance one, this Behance one speaks to something. It speaks to their pillars that I believe is truly different about Adobe. It speaks to their commitment to community. Now, some of you might be thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those are some of the various acquisitions that Adobe has made. It's not the, it's not the only one. Adobe has also, has also made a major acquisition in 2022. Adobe acquired Figma. Figma is a solution that allows people to, in many ways, collaborate, create things. It's in many ways a, a wireframing solution, a tool that helps you kind of create your vision in a low fidelity context. Adobe already had Adobe XD when they made this decision, but what they didn't have was the raving fans, the raving community that Figma had around their solution. Just like Behance, a place where creatives come together to share their work and talk, to share stories about their work, to find new jobs and things of that nature. Adobe doesn't just acquire businesses, they acquire communities and markets at the same time, which takes me to their second pillar, the power of community building. 
With a perfect revenue model, a plethora of innovative software, a handful of customers that love everything that they do, and a successful transition from a licensed business to a SaaS company, software as a service, how has Adobe been able to sustain this foundation of success? Well, this brings us to our second pillar, our pillar of community building. Adobe has been expanding their portfolio with more products over the course of decades. So how do they manage all these products? How do they manage all these people? How do they foster a sense of customer loyalty where people rave and adore everything that they do? A cultural and organizational commitment to community. Adobe understands the power of community. In fact, they built a community from the start by creating strong bonds with their users. They have been invested in the experience of their users from the early days, whether it was on the ground through social media or good old customer support. Adobe has always had its fingers on the pulse of the design and creative communities. They've launched forums where people can have conversations around the actual products that they use. And inside of these forums, they have discussions and dialogues around how they can be better at using layers within Photoshop, how they can be better at using a certain feather brush within Illustrator, and so on and so forth. Whether it's social media or forums, grassroots communities have popped up to support and further elevate Adobe. This is what you would call, in many ways, a moat. A moat being something that allows you to have a competitive advantage against others. Community is exactly that. If people love you, they adore you, they treat you as a brand, as something that they helped create, you have a community. In fact, the people take ownership of the brand and they then, in turn, create sub-communities that you might not even know exist. I can think about my early days of starting to learn how to use Photoshop and Illustrator. I went into a forum, I went into a community, I asked questions, I get answers, and very quickly I was well received by the community as a newbie who was learning how to do Photoshop. But that lesson in community taught me so much. Right now, as you listen to this, you can go on Facebook or a wide range of different channels and you will find communities, pockets of people dedicated to talking about various Adobe tools. On Facebook, there's a Facebook group called How to Use Photoshop. And inside of that group, you would be surprised to know that there are 160,000 members. Also, there are groups for people who just like to talk about Photoshop. Some people just use Photoshop to troll and create memes and hilarious visuals and graphics. We all have seen these things show up on the top of Reddit. We've seen them trend on Twitter. We have seen this content time and time again. And there are community groups on a wide range of different channels talking about how they do what they do using Adobe's tools. Now, recognizing these various passionate communities, Adobe decided that they too needed to create a place to facilitate this dialogue. They didn't want all the dialogues to be happening on other people's platforms where people could get rich on the back of Adobe's brand. So they decided to create a section on their site where people can log in. They can log in and discuss everything from Photoshop to Illustrator. They can discuss Adobe XD. They can discuss everything and anything that they want, as long as it's associated somewhat with creative and their products. In these communities, you're gonna find a ton of questions. People asking questions about how to use features 
how people were able to achieve a certain design or aesthetic with their tools. Basically, it's an interactive place where community members come together and add value to each other by having dialogue, having discussions. From helping each other understand how to use a certain filter to working on prototyping challenges where they challenge each other to see who can create the coolest prototype with a certain goal and objective. There is so much happening inside of these communities. This community sense is something that all of us can learn from. It's huge. There's an engaged mix of both users and employees going into this community and having dialogue, supporting each other. But here is the icing on the cake. This is where you go and you're able to really delineate the amateurs from the professionals. And Adobe is able to solidify themselves as truly a professional in community building because they understood and understand the impact of status and gamification. When I talk about status, I'm talking about the fact that we all like to play status games. Whether we like it or not, whether or not we will say it vocally, we all have a bit of an ego. We want to be celebrated. We want to be recognized. We want to be said, you are smart. You are valued. You are intelligent. So Adobe taps into this. They tap into this by leveraging our egos through things like badges. The second thing that they leverage is the importance of fun. Gamification. This is something that has been a buzzword in the marketing and community for quite some time, but they are, as I said, a professional at understanding the importance of having excellent execution. Adobe created badges. These badges are able to be received and earned by your contribution to the community. The more you do in the community, the more you contribute value to the people in the community, the more you encourage people, the more you celebrate people, the more that you add value to people, the more badges you will receive. How does this make these users feel? It makes them feel valued. And by feeling valued, it makes them advocates, advocates for Adobe products, advocates for Adobe's community. And if they're advocates, do you think they're going to churn? No, of course not. They're bought in. They have all these badges. Of course, they're going to be easier to retain. And they're also going to be easier to upsell. You see, online forums and communities can act as a very self-support place for driver retention. But they're not just a supportive arm in the sense that they help your sales team ensure that they're meeting their quota or your customer success people meet their quota. They can also reduce the amount of time that your customer success or customer support people are spending holding hands and instructing people to solve problems. Online forums and communities can be a self-service support arm for your business. A customer-driven support group can do wonders for your business because it boosts your relationship with the customers, but on the other hand, it gives you an extension of your customer support team. If I'm having a problem with the software solution, I can put up a post in a community and know with confidence that I'm going to receive an answer from somebody, somebody passionate about the product, somebody who used the product, and maybe even somebody who's not even on the payroll of the product. That feels good. You see, I was so curious about these communities and how they play a role in Adobe success that I needed to dive a little bit deeper. And here's what I found. The forum, the forum itself, the place in which Adobe users and customers spend time every single month. 
generates 15 million visits. 15 million visits. Let's say half of those people are actually real. Let's say half of them visit multiple times. We're talking about a significant amount of people visiting the Adobe site every single day. And that is the power of community. They have arguably 7.5 million people visiting their site, consuming their content, interacting with each other on a monthly basis. And it's an estimated average that more than four minutes is spent when they are there. That's a lot of time. That is a ton of time. Now, what's the key takeaway from this? Why, why does this matter? What's the point of all of this? How can I learn from Adobe? They're a giant. You can learn a lot. Adobe spends so much time with their users who now feel included that they become brand advocates. When brand advocates and community members feel connected to you, your story, your community, they're more likely to stick around. They're more likely to work with you and pay for your business. Adobe understands that. They understand that a simple support ticket can turn into a conversation and that a conversation can create a lasting relationship. If you've made it this far into the podcast, I want to take a second to do something for you. I want to take a second to say thank you to you, a part of my community. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for tuning in because if it wasn't for you, Create Like the Greats would not be a thing. So thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you ever have questions, by all means, feel free to reach out to me directly, whether it's on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm on all of the various platforms. I would truly love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode for that member as a part of this community, please give us a review. Five stars are preferred, of course, but that is what I would love to get from you. Now, back to Adobe. If you're aspiring to reach Adobe's level of success, this is where it starts. It starts with community. It starts with the people that you surround yourself with. So I would advise you to think about setting up that group, creating a Facebook group, a Discord channel, whatever it may be for your brand, your organization. It could even be a Slack group where your audience can get in touch with you directly and your audience, your customers can start to support one another. You'll be connecting customers within your business to each other. You'll be building an advocates. You'll be building brand advocates and an arsenal of them at that. Now, you do have to be active in this group. You can't just create the group and call it a day and walk away. This is something that's going to be a commitment. This is something that you're actually going to have to invest time and energy into managing. And I say this because a group, a community, is kind of like a bank. It's easy to get caught up in this idea of setting up a bank account. It's easy to get caught up in this idea of setting up a group. And then walking in the bank and saying, give me all the money. But if you don't put money in, you can't get anything out. And a group works the exact same way. You can't just create a group and invite people to it and expect to be able to extract value. No, you need to add value to the community first. And after you've added value to the community, you can begin to make requests. You can begin to make withdrawals, just like in a bank. Answer people's questions. Provide solutions. Be the person who posts first every single day to inspire a dialogue that people didn't even expect was going to show up today. 
Give your audience what they are looking for and have conversations with them to ensure that you're giving it to them. As an example, if you have suggestions on companies and organizations or creators that you would like to have covered on Create Like the Greats, send me an email. Ross at foundationinc.co. I'd love to hear from you. Interestingly, it's not just about connecting with people and answering their questions when you take part in these groups. That's not it. You have to have ideas that are truly going to make the lives of these people better. Now, before we jump into the third pillar, the third pillar of Adobe success, I want to give you a quick recap, a quick summary, so to speak. So pull out your pencil and pen or hit the bookmark button, whatever it may be that you're using to keep track of all of the ideas. I want you to have these few takeaways. First, remember, having a great community can create loyalists within your groups. If you can build a brand community, it establishes social proof and stronger networks. The fact that people are a part of your community and your forum demonstrates that you are trusted, and that is a huge thing. Communities can also offer you self-service customer support. That is a major win. You can also unlock amazing insights from hosting your own community. You can listen more closely to the pains, the problems, the struggles, the issues that they're facing on a day-to-day -day basis, and then use that to find solutions that solve them. By creating a community, your customers can be more effective, more efficient at using your product. And finally, that relationship, the relationship between brand and people, creators and users, creators and fans, builders and customers becomes greater and greater with every single post. And that is when a community truly starts to take off. When it takes off, something magical happens. People within those communities start to create a ton of content, a ton of stories, a ton of posts, a tons of assets, things that are outside of your circle of control. And you have two options. You can try to water it down. You can try to manage it. You can try to maintain it. Or you can foster it. You can water it. You can let the user-generated content work for you. Which takes us to our third pillar, the elevation of user-generated content. Let's break it down. Pillar three, the use of user-generated content. Now, the third pillar of Adobe success is user-generated content. I know you've probably heard this term hundreds of thousands of times, but just to make sure that we're all on the same page, I want to reiterate it one more time. How do we define user-generated content? What are some examples of it and why is it important? Well, you see, user-generated content is anything that is developed, created by the users of your product, your brand. The content is usually unpaid and it can appear in a wide range of different formats. User-generated content could be anything from a customer review, an unboxing video, a makeup tutorial, or a morning tech routine. It could literally be anything that a user is doing with your product. As long as they're recording it, as long as they're recording or creating something using your product, it's essentially user-generated content. There's no limit to what UGC could be. 
And most importantly, I'd like to highlight that user-generated content isn't limited to just B2C companies. Yes, the vast majority of it is people doing an unboxing of a new watch that they purchased or uh, somebody showing in a video of them playing a video game and sharing that online. That is all user-generated content, but it's not the only type. Most B2B companies do find it difficult to navigate UGC, user-generated content, but that doesn't mean that they should give up. Adobe didn't. Adobe didn't give up. Adobe embraced it, owned it, and celebrated it. And they are still doing it today very successfully. You see, 79% of people say that UGC has a high impact in their purchasing decisions. Only about 13% will say the same about a brand and what they do, what they say. Yet, over the years, we see constantly people in brands, companies invest time and time again in finding the right story for their brand to tell, not thinking about the story that other users are telling. So yes, there is an impact here. There is an impact here that can truly impact the bottom line of your business. But you have to ensure that you understand both your product, your brand, what it has to offer, and what people say behind your back. In Adobe's case, they have tools that empower and enable creatives to create amazing things. It's pretty simple to create user-generated content when you have some of the most creative minds in the world using your tools every single day to design and bring to life some of the most beautiful Instagram-worthy visuals, artistic perspectives, and views in the world. It makes it somewhat of an unfair advantage, so to speak, when it comes to UGC. Now, if somebody is using Adobe Photoshop to create a beautiful graphic, that graphic is something that that user is going to be proud of. It's something that they're going to be happy about and probably something that they're going to care deeply enough about that they're going to share it on their various channels. Now, if that person, that creator, shares it on Twitter, shares it on LinkedIn, and people start to comment, it's going to ultimately result in a simple thing that content, a user-generated piece of content to start to reach more people. And people start asking, how did you make that? And they might say, Adobe. You see, when that creator promotes that piece of content on their social media and it starts to catch attention of a brand like Adobe, this is where things get even more interesting. You see, Adobe oftentimes on social will share, reshare that content with their existing audience. Now, there are two things that happens out of this action. First, the customer, the creator, the designer, the person who put their hard sweat and tears into creating this beautiful, magnificent illustration, artistic expression of their life feels happy because their work was shared with all of the followers that Adobe already has. Millions of people have now seen my work, because Adobe reshared me on their Instagram, on their TikTok, on their LinkedIn, on all of these platforms. But it doesn't end there. My followers, and me being Adobe, the Adobe followers, are now inspired to use Adobe because, wow, look at that work. I am feeling inspired by this visual. So now I'm going to open back up the solution, the tools, and I too am going to start to create. But beyond that, I'm going to start to understand that maybe something is possible that I didn't know before. So I'm gonna learn about a little bit of a new feature, a new option, a new ability within Adobe's tools. All of this happens by them celebrating the user-generated content of some of their creators. But it doesn't end there. Not only do these people become inspired 
not only do they start to feel good about the fact that they use Adobe, they start to feel like there's potential for them to also someday be retweeted. So they're gonna tag Adobe, they're gonna share their content, and they're gonna amplify it. And hopefully one day Adobe will see their attention and they too will be one tweet away from being famous. Now, if you look at Adobe's Instagram page, you'll see how they utilize well-curated and user-generated content for, for campaigns. Campaigns that are not just for fun. They do campaigns that are around things that they believe their audience care about. They have a hashtag like Adobe Perspective where they source and repost content from creators who have used Adobe products to create stunning photographs. And if you ask me, it's pretty impressive because the hashtag itself actually includes their own brand name. And that's rare. It's rare to see a brand successfully do this, but they've done it. It gives them the opportunity to have engagement and interaction with their followers, enhance that relationship with their millions of users. Adobe might be pulling this off like it's no big deal, but it's not to say that it's going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be easy. B2B brands that are looking to embrace UGC need to think strategically, need to understand that their situation is going to be different. So first, you have to understand, is UGC right for you? Clearly understand what is the purpose of this effort? Ask yourself, is there already UGC content being created about our business and our brand? Do a quick search right now on social to see, are people talking about you? Are people sharing screenshots of any type of experience within your product, in your tool, in your solution? Or is your product simply not meant to be shared and talked about? That's okay too. UGC is not going to serve everyone. But if you have identified that, yes, there is a possibility here where there's organically already being people talking about your product on social, then maybe you should ask yourself, how can I define a goal from this, this effort? More followers, more sales, more leads, more engagement. What is it that we can accomplish together? And then from there, define who it is that is sharing your product. What makes them want to amplify your product? Why are they sharing UGC associated with what you've developed? Understand them, learn about them, and tap into any insights that might give you a glimpse into the real motivations behind why they're sharing it. And then finally, promote it, amplify it. If you've identified the fact that yes, people care enough to share your product, now is the time to amplify them, to celebrate them as well. Generally, the key lesson here is that you just don't treat your customers like data points. Celebrate them, share their work, empower them. Give them the ability to feel good about using your product. When this is done correctly and effectively, it can leverage amazing results. It can leave you with amazing results for your brand. Pillar four, SEO strategy. Adobe didn't just call it a day after they built a great community, after they made this transition. If they did, I don't think they would be where they are today. So let's talk about the fourth pillar. The fourth pillar being one of the most important, one of those pillars that, again, is very, very important for any organization looking to thrive in today's world, a pillar around SEO. Search engine optimization. And if you are intrigued about the idea of SEO, I would encourage you to go back to episode one where we talk about Masterclass and how they were able to build an SEO empire because Adobe has followed it very well to kind of learn a thing or two from them. Arguably, the team at Adobe could be hosting a Masterclass on SEO. 
Like most people, I first heard of Adobe because of Photoshop. It's so popular in terms of that phrase, Photoshop, that it has in many ways just become a verb. You probably heard the phrase Photoshop this or something similar at some point in your career or in your life. Oh, that picture is Photoshopped. This phrase has become popular parlance used by young and old alike, designers and non-designers alike. In fact, the word Photoshop has become added to the Merriam-Webster dictionary to describe the act of altering and manipulating an image. That's wild, right? Now wait until I tell you how much search volume the word has generated since the release of the software. Now, Adobe didn't just call it a day and say, we're done. We built a great community. We made a great transition from licensing to SaaS, and we can put our feet up and call it quits. If they did, I truly don't think that they would have grown the much they have as they have over the years. So what's next on Adobe's playbook? It's the, the fourth pillar. The fourth pillar being creating an unshakable content moat on the back of SEO, search engine optimization. Just like most people, when I first heard of Adobe because of their best-in-class photo editing app, Photoshop, I thought, this looks cool. This is interesting. But that word, Photoshop, has become so popular that it has essentially become a verb. You have probably heard the phrase, that's Photoshopped, or Photoshop this for me, or some similar variation of words. The word Photoshop has become a popular phrase by youth, young, and old alike designers and non-designers. In fact, the word Photoshop has actually been added to the Merriam-Webster dictionary to describe the act of altering or manipulating an image. That's fascinating, right? Now wait till I tell you how much search volume, how many people every single day are going to Google, typing in variations of phrases and words associated with that word, Photoshop, since they release that software. You see, Adobe launched Photoshop in 1990, and since 1992, it has essentially replaced the entire idea that we have in our mind when we're looking for graphic design software. I mean, the search volume for Photoshop has been higher than the search volume for the entire category graphic design software since early 90s. And that's quite the feat. It's not just an SEO feat, that's a branding feat. People don't think of graphic design software. They think of Photoshop. And with the popularity of Photoshop already there, what Adobe does is they've created in many ways an SEO mode. Now, to make sure we're on the same page, I do want to explain this word because I've said it a few times and I want to ensure that you understand what I mean by a moat. According to Warren Buffett, a moat refers to a business's ability to maintain a competitive advantage over the competition in order to protect its long-term profits and market share from competing firms. In Adobe's case, they've been able to do this quite well. And sure, they do have some competitors. I'm not going to say, Adobe, you are forever successful and will always be successful. There's some pretty ambitious brands coming up and nipping at their heels. And I'll talk about those in another episode. But they have built a pretty strong moat through search. And this can be seen in the ability that they've been able to capture traffic. You see, more than 62% of all traffic comes from people looking to do things. Photoshop related. How many? How many visits would you you guess? 410 million people. Or 410 million visits. I would assume some of most of them are going to be similar, but there's 410 million visits happening every 
single year to Adobe. Basically, people are searching for Adobe's products by name. Yes, it's a branded keyword. What does this tell us? It tells us the, the audience is already there. The audience already is there in the sense that they know Adobe's products. They're deep in the sales funnel. They know what they want, and now they just want it. Studies have shown that branded keywords have over two times higher conversion rates compared to non-branded search terms. So when you're creating your next SEO strategy, think about what you can get people to type in into Google and ensure that it's easy to say, type, and remember. Because when somebody goes to Google and they're looking for you, you want to make sure that you're showing up. Back to how Adobe is able to dominate the SERP with Photoshop. Here, here are a few things that they've done differently, but successfully. You see, they created an adobe.com URL for Photoshop, but they also have a photoshop.com domain. What they are able to do with these two domains is they're able to now run ads to both domains. The result of that is simple. When somebody goes to Google and they type in Photoshop, they're able to be sent to Adobe's URL as well as the photoshop.com's URL. They are able to do that through paid, but they're also able to do that through organic SEO. Just so you know, the game is a long one. So it doesn't just end in doing a few URL and domains for your popular keywords and calling it a day. Let's run some ads to this and, and call it quits. What they're also doing is they're focusing on everything in between. They're focusing on what I call solution-based keyword targeting. Now, if you want to rank for your brand, go ahead, but don't overlook the long tail keywords. I mean, if you ignore these long tail keywords with low search volume that your customers use when they're looking for a solution, you're leaving real money on the table. What do I mean by that? Let's say I go to Google today and I type in photo editing software. I'm not the only person that would go to Google and type that in. You might think, why wouldn't you just type in Photoshop? Because not everybody is on the market thinking that they need Photoshop for photo editing software. In fact, Every single month, there are 60,500 people who do this exact search. So what did they do? Adobe created a landing page for exactly that. While Adobe's photo editing software landing page might rank on the first page, it only ranks number seven. But that's because Google knows it's a sales page. They know that this is a page that they're using to try to sell people on their solution. If you look at others, results in that search in your results page, you'll notice that it's a bunch of blog posts, it's a bunch of review sites talking about a handful of different photo editing software solutions. This is where Adobe has another opportunity, an opportunity to show up in these blog posts, in these review sites, reaching out to the owners, reaching out to the creators, and asking them to mention Adobe. As expected, Articles that provide you with this side-by-side -side comparison are going to always outrank pure play sales pages when people are doing a more um, discovery-rated search. But that page, the page that they've created, ranks for over 354 different keywords. That is powerful. Now, another way that Adobe is dominating SEO is that Adobe realizes something that not a lot of us do, and that is that Google and YouTube are in cahoots. And for good reason, Google spent a lot of money buying YouTube. So much money that they need to ensure that YouTube is a success. And YouTube has become a success, so much so that it is the second most popular search engine in the world. YouTube is undeniable when it comes to SEO. YouTube videos are now showing up directly in Google search results. 
So optimizing your video content for search is a smart thing, and Adobe doesn't sleep on it, especially when it comes to influencing their buyers and community at large. The Adobe Creative Cloud YouTube channel has 960-some thousand followers, and their videos have generated over 180 million views. This tells you one thing, that Adobe gets YouTube, and YouTubers get Adobe. By the way, People come to YouTube to learn a lot of different things. They go to YouTube to learn how to do a double exposure effect in Photoshop, how to make a minimum vector portrait in Adobe Video, or how to apply a realistic tattoo in Photoshop. These are things that not only do people look for, these are things that Adobe has created videos about. Each of these videos are under a minute long and they have 600,000 views at a minimum. So. What does Adobe do with this traffic? They ensure that the description references the products that were used. They use this platform to educate their customers and at the same time, rank in the SERP. Of course, Adobe goes above and beyond to ensure that they check all of the YouTube SEO boxes. They put in the effort to create a captivating thumbnail. They make sure that the thumbnail is engaging, entertaining, and educational in nature. And then it's more likely to be clicked than something that's a little bit more basic. But the second thing they do is they optimize that video description. Along with your video title, you want to make sure that the tags are up to date with the keywords that are relevant to your video. And it's not just a short snippet of a, a text underneath your video, but instead it's a little bit longer. A few things that I noticed when looking at their YouTube video, and I hope that you can use this in your own YouTube strategy, is that they always include relevant keywords. The descriptions always have links to relevant resources. Their descriptions provide value on their own in the sense that they are educational and they provide you with tactical insights that you can do based off of the written word. The word count is typically more than 200 words and they always typically include a downloadable file, something that would allow their users to download something and that they would be able to kind of find value in. It just makes it even more valuable. This is the fourth pillar of Adobe's branding in content marketing success. This is the way that Adobe has been able to create something great. It all started many, many years ago, back in 1982 when Adobe first got started. And you fast forward to now and they have a market cap of over 500 billion, but the principles, the principles of their business are pretty simple. They embraced a remarkable transition and business pivot. They doubled down on the value of community they invest and empower their users to create content. And they recognize, embrace, and invest in SEO, not just in Google, but also in YouTube. There's absolutely no doubt that Adobe's success story has been a journey of transformation. They've seen different errors in software, and they are doing what they can to be successful in this new one. Of course, we all know that the world of SaaS is moving fast. We know the cloud is moving fast. We know the creative is moving fast. Just today, I was playing with an AI tool. And I asked the AI tool to design for me a, a visual. I wanted it to create a visual in which Wonder Woman took inspiration and was recasted as Halle Berry. And within seconds, it gave me a beautiful Wonder Woman that looked like Halle Berry. As technology changes, as things move, as competitors start to heat up, you have to recognize that if you snooze, you lose. And Adobe recognizes that they need to continue to innovate. Yes, they were able to pivot on the back of going from licenses to software 
quite well. But as the cloud becomes a place where design can be done directly in the browser, as AIs are starting to shake up the way creative is done in general, we have to ask ourselves, has this moat that they've invested in, will this moat that they've invested in be enough? So far, they're doing a great job. But more than anything, a key differentiator for them has been their lasting power. They've never been in it for a quick sale, a quick win. They're striving for something bigger. They're striving to own the entire creative industry. And that can be seen in all of the things that they do. They have created something great. They have created something that will last. You can strive to create a marketing engine that gets you on the front page of TechCrunch, or you can strive to create an engine, a community, that's going to live beyond your tenure. Most of us choose the former, but the greats will choose the latter. To wrap up, I want you to retain a few simple ideas. The decisions that you make today around your business model need to be rooted in the future. Don't be afraid to make a move, even if your customers today don't like it. Embrace the idea of celebrating and creating a community of advocates. Build good relationships with your fans, your users, your customers, and it will allow you to differentiate with your competitors. Unlock opportunities to think about UGC. Is there an opportunity for you? And if it is, don't sleep on it. And finally, you can dominate the SERPs. If you leverage both web SEO and YouTube SEO, and you create content that is worth reading, I'm confident that you will be able to create something great. If you're hearing this message, that means that you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You went with me on a journey, on a journey from 1982 all the way through to today to learn about how Adobe and Photoshop was able to become what it is. If you're running a SaaS company, a B2B company, or any other company, I hope you found value in this episode. I hope you learned something that you can apply to your business. And I hope that this episode will inspire you to create something great. I'll see you next week for a new episode on the same show on the same podcast networks. Thank you so much. Don't hesitate to hit that follow button or subscribe. And I will see you next time. If you want to know how to create like the grades, let's break.